you are in the class entitled Naturally Supernatural, How Your Sunday Service Can Move in the Spirit Without Seeming Weird. It's actually part one of a two-session. Two um, the, the next one is immediately following this called Naturally Supernatural, How, to, uh, how You Can Have a Church. Uh, what, what's the title? Let's see here. Um, the official title, how your leaders can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So, you know, training up leaders, that's kind of what um, one of my passions is in life. And uh, my name is Bill Thamalaris, and you are in Science Building, Room 151. So that's kind of your official introduction, and we'll just get started. You all doing well? Great conference today, isn't it? Um, a couple things. Um, so, so today we're, we're simply talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about how he is just passionate. He's more passionate about your church than you are. And that is, uh, something that we all, uh, need to, to really believe. It's more than just having head knowledge of that. You really have to believe that the Holy Spirit loves your church more than you love your church. And he wants to be a part of your church. He wants to invade your church, especially if you have barriers uh, to your church. He loves breaking down walls and busting through. Uh, but if you welcome him, uh, it's a lot easier sometimes uh, to, to have that rather than, you know, the jackhammer effect. Um, so before we get started, just real briefly, I have two questions for you. Um, how many of you in this room are on a se- either senior pastors, lead pastors, or on some type of senior leadership team, elders, that kind of thing? Uh, raise your hand. Okay, great. Um, so maybe 30%, 35%, something like that. Uh, the, anybody here part of leadership in your church on some level, in some area, some degree? Okay. Anybody here not in leadership, just attend a church, but you're really like, man, I just want the Holy Ghost in my church. Raise your hand for that too. Okay, great. All right. So a, a nice little mixture. That last category, you might not be able to do too much, but pray. Uh, however... <laughs> If you're friends, maybe, uh, with, with the leadership team member, then you can get a word in edgewise. Um, so before we get started, just real, just shout out one at a time. Uh, you can raise your hand. I'll call on you. Um, what, you in, what you would hope I would answer today by attending a session like this? What are you looking for as a deliverable? What would you like to take away from here in the next, say, 45 minutes or 50 minutes when you exit this room? Okay. All right. So you want me to tell you how you shouldn't be afraid of that. Okay. Got it. Hello. That's my father-in-law right there. He came to support me. A format that gives freedom. A format that gives freedom. Okay. Any other? Great. So you basically asked the question of the title, which hopefully we will answer that. Uh, I mean, I, if, if there's any question here I can answer, that would be the one. Yes. Sure. Obstacles that hinder. Absolutely. Okay. Any other question? All right. Well, let's get started here. Uh, again, my name is Bill Thumalaris. I'm the lead pastor of Oasis City Church. Um, it's in Westerville, Ohio. My wife, Lynn, uh, was supposed to co-lead the next two sessions with me. Unfortunately, she has the flu. 
and it it kind of hit her uh, yesterday, and she's wiped out. So she sent me a text about an hour ago and said she's praying, but I think she's really sleeping. Um, <laughs> but that, at least that's what I told her to do. Just sleep the whole time, and, and I'll get home. Uh, so we are lead pastors of Way City Church in Westerville. Um, it's a church plant with the Ohio Ministry Network, and we... Um, we're about three and a half years old. We moved from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to Columbus, the Columbus area, uh, four years ago with the intention and the heart to plant our church. Um, and we were one of the, one of the, uh, parachute plants where we really didn't have a lot of relationship. I in jest say that I only knew one guy in Columbus, uh, and he was a senior pastor and he was not coming to my church. Uh, many of you know Conan Stevens. I actually knew two guys because I know Gary uh, as well. But neither of them were looking for a church to attend. So just the fact that I knew them, they were literally the only people that we knew in the city. And we obeyed the Lord. So basically we obeyed the Holy Spirit uh, when we uprooted our family, our children, the family dog, sold the house, and we moved to plant a church. Um, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, yeah, come on in. You can, I, I know we're making room, seats. Yeah, squeezing in. You can sit on the table if you want. I don't, I don't, I won't mind. They might mind, but. So we, we moved under the direction of the Holy Spirit to plant a church. And if it wasn't for the Lord's guidance, we would have never done that because it's just a crazy thing to do. Um, and it was, and it's a challenging thing to do. But with the direction of the Lord, we were, we were able to, in faith, um, leave everything that we knew and move to another state, uh, to a city where we didn't know anyone, and plant a church. And we started in our living room. Uh, just a few months after moving there, we, we, we invited people to our living room, uh, which is just crazy because I probably wouldn't have gone to my own living room. Uh, if somebody invited me, I wouldn't have gone. So... It's just crazy that 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 is was the process, and in that we have um, had a desire to honor the Lord and honor the Spirit of God in in everything that we do, um, and so we've gone into it. We we've built that from our foundation that we wanted to please the Lord. If the presence of God did not, just as Moses said, if your presence is not going with us, we don't want to go. If your presence isn't leading us. We don't want to go. And we've kind of had that uh, from the foundation of our church. If God, you're not leading us, if you're not present with us, if, you're, if your Holy Spirit isn't speaking to us, if, you are not, um, if you're not in charge of this whole effort, then, then I, I could go do something else because I just don't want to play church. I don't want to play church as usual. Um, and I just don't want to be a part of the... Uh, a movement that doesn't have that kind of life to it. So that led us to allowing the Spirit of God to be the utmost primary um, reason we do what we do. And so I was approached and asked to do this this talk today, um, and the title was basically, Hey, how can you encourage people to not be afraid of the Holy Spirit um, because... Uh, and the word weird was, was in, was in the conversation. And I thought, I was like, okay, that's great. Um, the interesting thing is a lot of what the Holy Spirit does, um, does seem weird. 
And so it's like, well, it's kind of this paradox. It's kind of this oxymoron thing. How do we, how do we introduce and allow the spirit of God to flow when um, he's operating? He is spirit. He's the person, the third person of the Trinity. He's not, the Holy Spirit isn't part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit isn't um, just part of the Godhead. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, God the Father is a person. Uh, God the Son, Jesus Christ, is a person, and God the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person of the Trinity. So, um, but the the individual fact is, people can relate to Jesus as a human. And that was his. That was part of the plan. Uh, they can relate to God, the Father, the Creator. They can relate to the Father in a way because we have this human relationship of earthly dads, even though they're bad or good, we can kind of relate to that. But the whole idea of relating to the Holy Spirit is scary because it's spirit. And it's like, Whoa, I don't know how to do that because I can relate to flesh. I can relate to the idea of an entity, um, of a parental figure. And how do I relate to, um, I can relate to a king. I can relate to, uh, you know, God, the ruler, the sovereignty. But how do I relate to the Holy Spirit? So the fact is the Holy Spirit is not a gentleman. So if you've learned that in your life, and if you have uh, been taught that, if your church taught you that, um, they might not have got that from the Bible. That might have just been a nice idea. But the Holy Spirit really isn't a gentleman. Um, He's not out to wreck you and embarrass you, but he is out to get um, noticed. Because as the third person of the Trinity um, unfortunately, it's like the church, the body of Christ, we relate to, to two-thirds. And we kind of talk about the Holy Spirit in ways that make us feel good, which is like the word comforter. That's a nice word. So Holy Spirit's comforter, that's cool. He sounds like a gentleman that way. He's a comforter. You know, um, and, and the, the Spirit. But when we start talking about fire, you know, fire's not comfortable unless it's at the temperature that you want it. You get really close to fire and it gets uncomfortable. You start moving back. If you have a bonfire, you start moving back. and You move forward to get warm, then you move back. It's like we kind of control the temperature. Um, and so it can be challenging at times. But I, I want to encourage you, again, like I said earlier, the Holy Spirit loves your church more than you do. And so you can have this free relationship with God that he... He's so passionate about what you're doing. And he's so passionate about being... Um, allowing you to allow him to lead you. And so if the Holy Spirit's not involved in, in what I'm doing, I kind of just don't want to be a part of it because it's too much of a risk for me to try to do things on my own. Um, I, how many of you have uh, Pentecostal backgrounds? I mean, you're, you're part of the network, I'm sure, but Pentecostal backgrounds, how many of you don't have Pentecostal backgrounds? Okay, so like I grew up a Methodist boy and I was on a Methodist I started Methodist Church before I got saved, and then I got saved at 12 years old, and I was a part of a, a youth ministry team, and went all over, and I didn't know the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 17, and when I went to a non-denominational church, uh, and I grew up in that, I, I had no Assemblies of God roots um, in my life, although I, I was friends with a lot of AG churches, a lot of pastors, um, and then was a part of a, another large um, uh, independent church that kind of has its own denomination. And then now, of course, I'm grateful to be a part of the High Ministry Network. So I know that we have different experiences with the Holy Spirit um, in, our, in our settings, in, in our past. And so I want to address a few issues today with you. Um, so the Holy Spirit's not a gentleman. 
He's not rude uh, and necessarily, but he's not a gentleman. The other thing is, from the very beginning, Genesis 1, in verse 2, there's this, there's this word that said that the Holy Spirit covered the waters. The earth was without form, a void, darkness covered, and there was water. So the Holy Spirit covers this. He, he hovered over. The word there, um, when, you, when you look it up in the Hebrew, the word there is chaos. It's, well, it's where we get the, it's the root of the word chaos. It's where we get the word chaos. But, but think about it this way. The Holy Spirit wants to hover over chaos. So if you're afraid of him creating chaos in your church, it's his very nature, it's his very nature to be involved in something that seems chaotic, that seems to stir up the status quo, but he wants to hover over it. In other words, he's comforting, he's, he's caring, he wants to create a sense of surety ship, he wants to create a sense of, of security, but he's not just leaving you on your own. He's not just coming in with fire and blowing up the place and leaving. No, he's hovering, he's covering, because that's his nature. That's part of the person of who he is. And so from the very beginning, the Holy Spirit was hovering. From the very beginning, the Holy Spirit was up, was acknowledging and around the chaos of God's creation. Um, and then I, I love this verse. So, so you're, you're probably sitting in this class because you're aware of the gifts of the Spirit. You're aware of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that lists the gifts of the Spirit. And often overlooked is the scripture sandwiched in between um, the listing of the gifts of the Spirit. In verse 7, and it says this, Each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the gifts of the spirits are for the common good. They're not for common fear. They're not for common uh, destruction. They're for common good. And they don't happen unless they manifest. And what we're afraid of most is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But his very nature for the common good is the manifest. Each one given the manifestation of the spirit. Now we know, we go read further in, in the text and we talk about, hey, there's different gifts passed out like Uno cards from the Father as he wills. There's some you can pray for and some you can eagerly seek. We should all seek prophecy, says it. Doesn't mean you're a prophet. It's a difference. The gift of prophecy and the office of prophet are two different things. They both have to do with the prophetic. But, but passed out, handed out, you should seek after some. But they all have a manifestation process. If they're not manifesting, they're not working. So to have a gift and not use it is pointless. To have a trump card and not use it is pointless. You might as well fold the hand. So the church in general folds the hand because we're afraid of the manifestation. We're afraid of, we're afraid of God somehow taking over this nice pretty package that, that we have. Um, so... Does that make sense? This whole manifestation thing? Okay, let's go on in the, the, actual, um, the actual seminar here. Have you ever wondered how to create a service centered around God's presence and still remain culturally relevant? You're supposed to say yes. Okay. Um, so as leaders, it can be a struggle to not allow fear to hinder the spiritual flow of our services, yet the Holy Spirit wants to invade our churches and transform lives. So the, one of the, the things that we recognize with the Holy Spirit, and Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm leaving. I'm sending someone greater. Um, and he uses this term, the baptism, the Holy Spirit, and fire. Again, um, scary words sometimes. Fearful words sometimes in our church. So 
Uh, Matthew 3, 11 uh, says, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. This is John the Baptist, okay, speaking. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Meanwhile, Jesus said this guy that said this was the greatest of all the prophets. He's also the last of the old covenant prophets. And so his words are important. And he gives this idea, he's like, listen, he who comes will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. So the purpose of Jesus, one of the purposes of Jesus as he resurrected is to release the Holy Spirit. And he's supposed to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Sometimes we like to leave the word fire off of there. Again, because fire is kind of uncontrollable. Fire is something we're trying to regulate. We're trying to create the, you know, we're trying to set the thermostat, hoping that the fire obeys our command. Um, but that's not the actual essence uh, of fire. So the Holy Spirit does these things. I, I, I listed a few things here that the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to pour rain on you. This is all from the scripture. He wants to open rivers in you. He wants to breathe wind into your life. He wants to anoint you with oil. He wants to fill you with holy wine. He wants to refine and temper you with fire. And he wants to send the Holy Spirit to live in you. And this is the phase we're just going to break down today and figure out how does this how do, do these happen on a Sunday morning? Because I think we, we like them to happen in our home groups. And we're okay if they happen uh, one-on-one in a ministry team meeting. Or, or somebody comes in for ministry and you lay hands on them and you pray for them. And if something like this happens, like, great, awesome. But on a Sunday morning where there's 200 people or 300 people or 2,000 people or 3,000 people. I mean, how do we allow this to happen and still get to the offering? How do we allow this to happen and still sing our four songs and still give announcements and still have really good PowerPoint presentation? And I'm all for all of that. I mean, I, lo- I love my church. I love it. And we do it all. Um, and one of the things we're passionate about is constantly asking the Holy Spirit how he can, he can guide us and how he can direct us and how he can have influence over us. So we're going to open uh, some of these up. Uh, a couple of these points I got from Jack Hayford because he, he, he just says it. He just said it so well. Uh, well I don't need to reinvent it. Um, the Holy Spirit comes as wind. So John 3, 8, the wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you hear the wind, it can't tell where it comes from, where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. One of the ways the elements of the Holy Spirit is wind. We know that he comes like wind. He, he sounds like the mighty rushing wind. It's a sound. It's this idea that the Holy Spirit wants to blow through. And what I want to encourage you to do in your local church is to just ask him to blow through. Allow the breeze of heaven to blow through, the, the wind of heaven to come. Sometimes wind comes and it, it, it stirs up. It adds oxygen to the fire, makes it hotter. Other times wind comes and it purifies the air. It gets the dust out of the way. Sometimes wind comes and it gives us this fresh um, the, the, you know, breeze. Man, you're out in the ocean. You got to love the breeze. I mean, the, just in your face, wind, hair blowing through your wind. I mean, the breeze is great. The wind of the Spirit. And when you, when you recognize that the Holy Spirit comes like wind, then you can embrace it when he shows up like that. You can recognize when he shows up like that. It's like the, the, the old school way to, you know, you lick your finger and you, you put it up to the wind and you, and you see which direction it's coming. That's how we as leaders are supposed to be in the church. We're supposed to be like, okay, Holy Ghost, what are you doing? 
We're supposed to expect the wind of heaven. Every time we gather pre-service prayer with our team, um, after we pray, the thing I ask for, I just say, hey, what is God, what's the Holy Spirit showing you right now? Speak, just speak it right out. What do you see? Are you seeing a vision of something? Do you, do you have a sense of something? Do you taste, can you sense the wind blowing in a direction? And I don't want a sermon. I'm not looking for a paragraph. I'm not looking for some deep dream. I just want to know, what are you saying? Because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you pre-service so you know what he's trying to build in the service. He's coming. He wants to blow through and he wants to build something. I mean, his passion is to build something, build character into people, build, uh, uh, mora- you know, build holiness, build morality, build and encourage identity in, the, in, in your church members' lives. He wants to do all these things. Well, what does he want to do today? So we just ask. We gather for prayer. I mean, these are practical steps. Is it okay if I talk practically? I mean, I'll talk spiritually and practically. I mean, we gather for prayer. The last thing I leave, I leave like four minutes, sometimes two, two minutes. And I just say, tell me what the Holy Spirit is telling you right now. You're all leaders. You're all prayer team people. What's he saying? And it's amazing. Sometimes it's vastly different. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, how am I going to pull these together? But then it's not me having to do it. It's just God. Sometimes it's like, wow, this person saw something, and this person saw something, and this person saw something, and they all saw the same puzzle piece, the same picture in different puzzle pieces. Because the scripture says that we all see in part prophecy and prophets we see in part. And so a lot of times we need we need a lot of the parts to come together to see what the picture looks like. And so we I call it building in the spirit. We build in the spirit with our leadership team before every service. And we partner with what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Sometimes things are said that don't happen. But that's okay because maybe it didn't maybe it, maybe it wasn't necessarily going to happen this day, but maybe it's next Sunday. Maybe it's the following Sunday. And so, um, I was, I was in one of our meetings and we were asking the same question. Holy spirit, what do you want to do today? And I saw, um, I, I saw a tumor shrinking. I saw a tumor shrinking. Um, and so I said that out loud. I said, guys, I see a tumor shrinking. And one of the other people said, I, I see healing. I really, I, I really see healing. And, and some other person said, I see like really like hot, like the heat of God in the church. I was like, all right, we had three things. We just went into the service. Worship's going on. I forgot about what, what we saw. Totally forgot about it. I'm, I'm getting text messages about like something not going right at this media booth. I'm getting a text from the usher saying this is not going on. You know, I'm, I'm communicating with my team right in the middle of worship. I'm sitting there doing, doing all this stuff. And I, my mind is not on, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? My mind's not there. I'm in practical mode. I'm not necessarily in the Spirit. And so all of a sudden, I feel, I feel the Holy Spirit speak to me. He's, he's like, don't you remember the tumor? I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, what are you going to do about it? That's what he said. What are you going to do about it? So his heart is, he wants to shrink a tumor. But, but he wants to partner with me to do it. So it's not just the sovereign move of God. Because if I wouldn't have done anything, we would have left the service. Faith without works is dead. I would have left the service and no tumor would have shrunk. In my experience. But I have to step out in faith. So I, so I walk up on the platform and I share my vision with the first service. Anybody here have a tumor? We're going to pray for it. God just showed me it's going to shrink. Nobody raised their hand. I was like, darn it. 
you know, nobody raised their hand. So go on. Second service rolls around. And now I remember, I remember, I'm not, I'm not allowing myself to be distracted. Walk up on the platform, um, right in the middle of worship, right at the end of worship. Hey, God showed us today he's going to shrink a tumor. Uh, anybody have a tumor? Nobody raised their hand. I was like, oh, for two. This stinks, man. This is horrible. What are you doing, Lord? You know, was... So towards, right towards the end, I start my message. And somebody's like kind of raising their hand over in the corner. And I'm thinking, what? You know, and they said, well, I said, do, do you need prayer? And they were like, yeah. And so I just, I just sent people over. I just said, okay, you three people go, go pray for her. And I go, I'm preaching. And um, then, then like five minutes later, I'm hearing like, woo, you know, yelling shouts. And so I just stopped the message. I was saying, uh, hey, something that must have been, it sounded like a good sound, you know, I sounded, and uh, anything, you know, this is risk. This is risk. I'm preaching in the middle of my message. I mean, it's like on a podcast and I'm in the middle of it, but I think I have to acknowledge what the Lord's doing. I want to see what's happening here. So the person comes up to me and they, and they say, well, you said tumor, but I, I didn't, I, I, the doctor says it was a growth. And, I, and I'm like, <laughs> I wanted to shake her, right? I wanted to be like, what? You let me up here for a half an hour earlier. But I thought, okay, it's fine. We're not going to play semantics. We're not going to play particulars. It was a growth. Well, I said, well, what happened? And she says, well, as the team was praying, for, as people were praying for me, meanwhile, I just had people next to you. Like, I don't, some of the people, I mean, it wasn't like we had pastors go back. It's not like we had our ministry t- team go back. We, we did have some of them, but there were just other people just gathering around, this lady praying. She says, I felt this heat. It was so hot. It's in, in, in my belly, and I can, I can feel, and she's pushing down her stomach, and she's like, and it's not hurting anymore, and there's, the hardness isn't there anymore. So we rejoice. Now, what was the other thing that was said in the pre-service when we said, building in the Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? I said a tumor, and the other person said, I see healing. Another person said, heat. I see heat. See, all three of those came together. In the second service, towards the end of the service, meanwhile, when my pride had the ability and the opportunity to be kind of wounded, because even though the Holy Spirit showed me something, and I delivered it, two services, no response. But yet God still did something. And so if I hadn't have pressed into it, given somebody an opportunity to to kind of sheepishly raise their hand, and then just went ahead and said, you know what? Let's just go for this thing right in the middle. Let's just pray right now. We're not going to wait till the end of the service. We're not going to wait, and we're not going to hide in a corner and try to see what's wrong. No, let's just say, okay, Holy Spirit, you already said you wanted to do this. So now I'm just trusting you to do what you want to do. And so that is the, the win test of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? That's how good he is. Holy Spirit coming as a wind depicts his power and his guidance. Um, in Acts 2, 2, y'all know this one. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. The sound, the Holy Spirit is sovereign. God is dynamic, irresistible, and unstoppable. The Holy Spirit as sovereign God is dynamic, irresistible, and unstoppable. He's unstoppable. He's unstoppable, but he wants to partner with us. He wants to use you and I, whether you're a lead pastor or you're a part of the ministry team or you're just uh, you're just a um, you know a parishioner in your 
in your local body. He wants to use you and flow through you. He's dynamic. He's irresistible. If you would allow the Holy Spirit to move in your church services, he's irresistible to people. I have people from our church. So, um, I mean, we have people from a lot of different backgrounds in our congregation, a lot of backgrounds. When I moved here and started a church, I thought I would get people like me and I didn't. And I was used to being around people like me. So, uh, worshipers and people just hungry for God and all this. And we started having people from mainline denominations come to our church. We started having people from other large independent churches that were very evangelical, some very seeker friendly. And I'm thinking, God, what are you doing to me? Because you're making me crazy. I I mean, we started with 30, we started in our living room with, with, with six people, but our first service, we had like 30 people that came to it. I mean, we're talking like, we didn't have a launch team and we didn't have hundreds of people. We didn't have money. I mean, we just were like, and then out of the 30, I think 10 people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I kept thinking, and, and, and in the other 20, they wouldn't even raise their hands in worship. Here I am jumping on the stage and, you know, all this stuff and, and, and acting like a rock star or whatever. And, and nobody's responding. And I'm thinking, I am such a fish out of water here. I don't know what I'm doing. But because the Holy Spirit's irresistible, it was just a matter of time. It was just a matter of time that those 20 people got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They start moving. We have people in our church right now that two, a year ago, they were a part of XYZ Church, not a part of anything. One guy got, got saved in our, in our church. He's a leader now, um, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, uh, operating in words of knowledge, laying hands on, on sick people and, and seeing healing. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So, but it's all about embracing the, the move and the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit. He is irresistible. Holy Spirit comes as oil. Second Chronicles 1 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us in God who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. The anointing, the oil of the Scripture is directly related to the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Man, we... we you recognize oil. You, you can't read the Old Testament without two words, oil and wine. And they represent really great things. Um, and, and they represent the Holy Spirit. And the anointing oil of Scripture is directly related to the Holy Spirit's work in our life. The oil of the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you as a leader. And just as the model where it flows from the priest Aaron's head all the way down to his beard, all the way to the bottom of his robe, to the people. That's a, that's a, a type that we can look at, a model of how the Holy Spirit wants to move in your church. He really does want to start with you as leaders. And he'll do it other ways. But if you would just allow him as a leader, if you would just give up the reins, give up control, let go, give up the car keys, let him drive, I'm telling you, um, he's irresistible and he wants to... He wants to flow uh, through your life. Look at this next scripture here uh, in 1 John chapter 2. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a little bit out of context here, but you can keep reading. But, but the idea is you have an anointing, and you all know it. And everybody around you knows that you're anointed. So, so why are you... I mean, you're branded by fire, so, and you have a big old brand on your forehead. So why are you trying to deny it? You all know that you have the anointing. So why not use it? You know that he wants to move in your life. So why not allow him to? It takes fresh anointing from the Holy Spirit for the dominion of his kingdom and the authority of his 
life to happen through us. Fresh anointing. That's what we're going after. The other thing I love and I preach on all the time is wine. It scares a lot of people. None of you laughed. But I'll respect you all, so I won't, I won't go there. But, but wine, Matthew 19, 9 says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for old wineskins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in wineskins, so both are preserved. I preached this message one time, and it, it was talking about new wineskins, so, but I had to tell the story of Cana. So I tell the story, and I make a joke. And everyone in the church laughs. The church is packed. Teach about new wineskins. It's awesome. We have this altar call. 40 people come up for new wineskins. Five or six people got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Two people get healed. It was an incredible service. And we had like you know, 120 people in the room or something like this. And uh, um, we, had, we had first-time visitors in, in, in the service. And they were, they were brought by um, some friends of ours. And so I didn't know they were there, and my friend said, um, or I think he's my friend. Yeah, he's my friend. Um, and, and so he was like, he said, yeah. I said, oh, you brought those people with you? He's like, yeah. I was like, how was it? And he said, oh, they'll never come back. I said, oh, really? Why? And he said, well, you know, you made that wine joke in the, in the beginning, and he's like, and, and they just said that they, they couldn't come back. And I'm thinking, I made a wine joke in the beginning of the service. That was actually true, by the way. And, and I preached this whole message about... Not about wine, but about a wineskin, about the Holy Spirit, and 40 people come up for an altar call, and, and 10 people get, or whatever it was, 8, 10 people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, 2 people get healed, and people are up worshiping and crying and going home and changing their life to be carriers of the Holy Spirit, and they're upset because I made a joke. I thought, you know, they wouldn't last in my church for more than two weeks anyway, so, um, but it's amazing how we overlook how God describes himself. And he does this a lot. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Uh, wine wine and you know why. You know there's a fermentation process and the old wineskins burst from the pressure spilling new wine and, and ruining the skins. The new wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. What happens when new wine goes into old wineskins? Both are lost. And God doesn't like to lose the wine. I was like, it was a joke like that, actually. And God doesn't like the, he doesn't like the fact that, that you are ruined and you, you wasted him. You wasted his presence in that moment. And your life is actually fractured because he's trying to do something new in you. So the, the picture here is, man, you, you have got to continually be a new wineskin. Your church has to be a new wineskin. Because what God was doing 15 years ago and the model that you had 15 years ago probably isn't working today. Are you willing to be a, a new wineskin and when God wants to pour new wine in, you can contain what he wants to do. God wants to heal people in your church. And he wants to do it every Sunday. And I'm telling you that without any conviction whatsoever. I'm telling you that because I can prove it to you. And this is not an apologetics class. But I can prove to you that every time you gather together, the Holy Spirit wants to heal somebody who's ailing. Whether it's physical, whether it's in their soulish realm, emotional. He wants to heal. Because his nature, he's the healer. So if you are not willing 
to pray healing on people and see sick people healed, then you are an old wineskin. And when new wine comes, you are allowing, you are, you are ruining, you're ruining the opportunity. He is healer. God wants to save somebody every week. Now, here's, here's a challenging thing. I don't always give an altar call for salvation in our church. I probably should, and I know I should, and I talk about doing it, and I even tell the team, man, remind me to do this. So I, so I went through the season where I wasn't doing it, and then I went to a season where I did it every week. And, and on our con- we have a little connection card you can fill out. On the connection card, there's a, there's a box that says, like, I received Jesus today. You can check that box. Or there's a, there's a remark, what did the Lord do in your life today? And people can write it in. Do you know when we looked back at the year, and I looked at the, at the whole year, and I looked at the Sundays that I asked people specifically and led a, a salvation call, and I didn't do it at all, we actually had equal amounts of people born again in our services. The last three Sundays, I intentionally, I just just wanted to see what we would do. We would get connection cards back where we had six salvations and I never asked anybody to get saved. Because people give their life to Jesus because they feel the Holy Spirit. We have people giving their life to Jesus in worship. In worship. We have people giving their life to Jesus At the end, when we're praying for somebody, we had somebody get healed and then they got saved. That's really a kingdom way to do it. You get people healed, they'll get saved. I say it this way. Show people the kingdom, then introduce them to the king. Show them the kingdom. Show them love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, self-control, these fruits of the spirit. Show them that. Show them miracles, signs, and wonders. Show them that they can be healed. Show them that God loves them and wants to heal them, even though they don't know it. And I promise you, those people, not, in my experience, in my experience, 100% of the time they get saved. 100%. But I know it goes against a lot of even doctrine or, you know, opinions. It goes against opinions. And I just can't stress enough how the new wine of heaven wants to flow through you. He wants to be your container. Rivers of living water want to flow through you. And it's the new wine of of the Spirit. And so we have people getting saved, and I don't even give a salvation call. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. Now, I'm not trying to create a model of that. I really am not. Last Sunday... um, we did a whole message on identity and we led people to Jesus and you know, three people gave their hearts to the Lord. But I was amazed at the previous Sunday when two people gave their heart to Jesus and we didn't do it. I was just amazed. I'm like, and this happens. There's just a pattern that this keeps happening because people are introduced to, to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to move on a little faster here. Um, Jesus describes the new work of God conveyed by the ministry of the Holy Spirit as new wine coming into old vessels. Um, in Acts chapter 2, you see the whole thing. Uh, we all know what Acts 2 is. And if you're part of the AG, you, 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 should, you should know Acts chapter 2. If you're a Pentecostal, you have to know this. But these people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. 9 o'clock is the morning, which is too early for that. Um, so it did look like they were drunk. It really did look like they were that way. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In these last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. I mean, that's what God wants to do. 
The Holy Spirit is involved in, now listen, I, I know it's strange, but people looking intoxicated was part of this. This was the introduction. Do you know that God introduced the Holy Spirit to the world this way? It wasn't like a pretty journal that fell out of the sky of heaven and looked like a monument and everyone could come and see the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a gigantic dove. It wasn't an angel with wings. It was the Holy Spirit was introduced on planet Earth in a chaotic way that was misunderstood. And I haven't even got the tongues of fire yet. I'm still talking about people that looked intoxicated at nine o'clock in the morning. And then what does he say? He, he refers to prophecy and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, he says, they're going to see visions, dreams, and pour out my spirit as servants and men and women alike. And they will all prophesy. There's your, there's your, there's your, um, your gender equality piece. And you're, you know, right there. It was already part of the heart of God. We, sh- we should have never battled with it as a church. Men and women alike, equally, and they'll prophesy. The Holy Spirit coming as new wine, dreams, visions, old and young men and women, and prophecy. All happens when the Holy Spirit comes. And that was God's doing. The church didn't do that. We, we couldn't have made that up. So if he wanted to introduce to the world the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and we haven't even got the tongues yet. That's like next verse. Tongues of fire. I mean, talking about, talking about this, how, does, how much more passionate is the Holy Spirit still today wanting to do things like this in your church? Fire, Acts 2, verse 3. Then what looked like flames and tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That word languages there means tongues and, and, and several different, and this is not a tongues teaching. I love to teach on tongues though, but the Holy Spirit comes as fire to work something deep in the substance of our lives that will shape the things around us. He comes as fire to work something deep into the substance of our lives to shape the things around us. When you allow the Holy Spirit, when you allow your prayer language, when you allow him to move in miracles, signs, wonders, dreams, visions, prophecy, he's doing a work in you with his fire and is shaping the culture around you. You know, the environment that you have inside of you is what you create the environment outside of you. The identity you have in you is the environment that you create outside of you. The identity, the way you look outside of you. The, the identity you have in you is what creates your behavior patterns. So in the church, we love to deal with behavior. If we dealt with identity, you wouldn't have a behavioral, 10% of what you had to deal with behavior. And it's all about the Holy Spirit. If you allow new wine, oil, water, flow, fire in you, then your environment around you is going to be filled with, with the substance of the things of heaven. Dove. Here's the part we like because it's gentle and non-threatening. Matthew 3. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. Heavens were open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. The Holy Spirit wants to come and rest on you and me. I baptize with water, but he, ba- I will, baptize, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So Bill Johnson says it best, um, and I love the analogy. And if, if I would have thought about it, I would have made money on it at this point, but I didn't. So I just like preaching it. If you and I would recognize the Holy Spirit as a dove in our life, and you would see, if you could just picture right now, just, just right now, picture an actual physical dove 
just making his way down and sitting right on your shoulder. Each one of you right now, you have a dove on your shoulder. Picture that. And I sat here and told you, you have a dove on your shoulder, and that dove is the Holy Spirit. And he wants to go with you today. When you get up, he wants to go with you everywhere you go. You're going to be so conscious of that dove that when you get up, you're going to get up carefully. When you go walking through the hallways, you're not going to want to bump into anyone because you know what a bird will do if at all scared, threatened, just fly right away and you lose your dove. What if, what if you and I as believers, not in a fear mentality, but in an honoring mentality, want to honor the dove that's sitting on your shoulder every, everywhere you go. And you will be conscious of that dove. And that's the way God wants you to be conscious of the Holy Spirit in your life. He wants you to be conscious and aware of the Holy Spirit everywhere you are. When you are in, uh, here, so, so when you're in the grocery store, he wants you to be aware of him. Not to do anything that would startle him. Not to do anything that would make him fly away. Let me give you an example of this. Um, we had an outreach. So we, we had our teams. We, we did this. We, 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 do a thing, we do these things called treasure hunts. We, we teach people how to do them. And they go out in and, and, and teams. And they, and, and they don't know what they're doing. And they hear from God. They write this whole thing down. And they go find the person that they are, um, uh, that's described to them. Because the people are the treasure. And they ask if they could pray for the people. It's an awesome exercise. It's filled with rejection. And it's filled with positive stuff. And it's great. So anyway, that's a different story. So we, so we go out and we're doing, we're doing a um, treasure hunt. And so people are, are there. Um, I got my, you know, we got kids on the team. My son's on this team. He was like 10 at the time um, and a few adults. And, and they had this vision and they were in Kroger and they saw the person that was in, that was described to them as they prayed. They saw this person's description. So one of our guys went over to her and he, and, and he asked if there's anything she could pray for. And she had like a knee problem. So he, um, he's like, well, can we pray for you? Sure. In Kroger, mind you. Uh, and we tell him, you know, hey, be respectful of things. But um, uh, but he was like, hey, can I pray for you? And she said, sure. So they gather around in Kroger and they're praying for this lady's knee. And, and she, she gets healed. Now, but in the process of it, the, here's the cool thing. A lady witnesses this. A lady shopping for cereal witnesses this thing. So she waits till the end of the prayer and she comes over to, uh, to the, the young man and my son and, and a couple other adults that were there. She comes over and says, I, I just want to know like what just happened. And he says, well, listen, we, we were just praying and we felt like God told us to look for a lady that looked like this and that she had a prayer need. So we just came and prayed for her. She's like, yeah, I think it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And we were like, oh, great. And she said, because we don't tell them what church we go to. We don't do any of that. Like the goal isn't to, the goal isn't to invite people to our church. Um, and she said, what church do you go to? And we were like, oh, we go to City Church. And she's like, do you have a card? Do you have anything? And we we're like, yeah, we have something. And she gave it to us. Um, and that person started attending our church. Now she's in leadership. And I mean, it, it's the, she's had complete total life change. Her daughter comes, she got saved. Her boyfriend come, he got saved. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. And because she witnessed, she witnessed the obedience of somebody obeying the Holy Spirit. You get it? The lady that got healed never came to our church. We don't care. But, but a lady who witnessed it came to the church. And now she's a leader in our church. I just think that's the coolest thing. I don't know about you. I was like, that's church growth, man. I mean, that is like church. We all think salvation is church growth. What about miracles, signs, and wonders? All right. 
Holy Ghost wants to come and rest on you. Oh, good. End of slideshow. Great. Because that means I can talk. We can ask questions. We got eight minutes. Um, now the, the, the next session that's right after this, if you're anybody here registered for that. Oh, see, all should be, that's going to be better than this one. Um, it's, it's a practical way, training your leaders to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you like 10 practical ways. The, what I teach our ministry team, all of our ministry team has this memorized. You, you have to, to be a part of our team. And um, it's just going to be very practical ways to train leaders how to be obedient, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't have leaders doing it, then you're not, when the Holy Ghost is still going to come in your service, but you won't be able to pastor it. And that's the problem because that's, that's when things get crazy and that's when rumors start and that's when, you know, churches, oh, that's a weird church. Well, it's just because you didn't know how to pastor the Holy Spirit um, in, your, in your service. So um, let, me, let me answer some questions because I know I probably didn't um, answer everyone's question. Uh, so, so we're asking the question, how can your Sunday service move in the Holy Spirit without seeming weird? The reason that we talked about the nature of the Holy Spirit is because if you don't understand him, then you will be weird. Because you're going to try to muster up all this stuff, uh, what you saw in a television evangelist or what you saw in, 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 a, in a church somewhere else or what you saw in a, some street ministry or what you saw in street magic or whatever you're doing. You're going to, tr- you're going to try to like, you know, muster up something. But if you know the Holy Spirit, if you know how he wants to move in wind and water and new wine and fire and a dove, then, and you just ask him to move that way, then, then you're going to see and you're just going to release the dove in your church. And watch him move. So how can I answer some practical questions in seven minutes? I'll just keep talking. I'll warn you. Questions? Yeah. Can you just walk us through what's in your head when you're walking out onto a platform and, and trying to um, manage what's going on there and the conversation between you and the Holy Spirit? Yeah, sure. You know, I get nervous every time I take the platform. I have for years and and I don't mind it now. Uh, And and part of it is just me like being so like, God, I just want you to do what you want to do and not what I want to do. So I just, now I'm not fear-based and I don't have a complex or anything, but I'm just in a healthy way. I have butterflies every time I take the platform. Uh, Even here, I have butterflies when I take the platform to present to you because I I, I know that um, the Holy Spirit, and see one encounter with the Holy Spirit, one encounter in the Holy Spirit um, could in one moment, the Holy Spirit can do something that, that you couldn't do on your own in 15 years. Amen. So, so I, I am so sensitive to that, that I want him to be able to do that in one moment in, in our church. So what I do practically is I, I'm always asking the Holy Spirit what he wants to do. Um, we have set ministry in our house. We have a prophet in our house. We have um, uh, ministry team leaders that are all trained. And people know, like, if they have a word, I mean, there's a process. You, you just can't shout out the word. Um, you know, we, we, I don't do the old school here. I was a worship leader and, and, and I used to do, um, full gospel businessmen stuff. I don't know why, but I used to do it all the time. I used to be in a suit leading this stuff and, um, and it never failed. It never failed, never failed that I do these conferences. There'd be eight, 900, a thousand men in these conferences. And I could not end one song without going to the next song without a message in tongues. If there was 10 seconds of silence, and then I have to wait and then wait for the interpretation and, and such. And it got to be so rote that I didn't respect it. You understand? And it got to be the point where I'd look at the, I'd look at the, the, the team and I'd be like, no silence, play right through this. Play, play. Because I knew if I give silence, then we have to wait for somebody. Because there seemed to be a system, 
Now, I'm not talking bad about full gospel businessmen. Please, I, I, please, I, I, I love them. I, I don't know if they're still around. They probably are. But I, I, I learned a whole lot through those men. But let me tell you that there seemed to be an old wineskin of if there's silence, there has to be tongues. Or there has to be a prophecy. Shout it out. And, you know, it's just an old model. So if people have a word in our church, there's a process. We tell them, you have to go find uh, one of the elders on the, on the we, one of the ministry team leaders. You have to tell them your word. They submit it to me, and I'll see if it's deliverable from the pulpit. I either do it or I call you up and you give it. Because here's what I learned. If it, the Holy Spirit spoke it, it's good five minutes ago and it's good five minutes later. God's not panicking. He's not panicking. Uh, the other day, the prophet, one of the, this girl in our church, uh, lady in our church, seasoned ministry, great prophetess, she came up, she had a word. Well, it wasn't time for the word yet. Um, I'm on the platform talking. I know she, she's got a word. I'm doing an announcement or something like that. And I just said, or no, no, I, I wasn't on the platform yet. I was on standing in worship. She came up to have a word, and I said, okay, not, not yet. I've never told her not yet. I've always given her the mic immediately. But I knew it wasn't to be yet. Well, she was totally respectful. It wasn't until the end of the service, after my message, that I told her to go ahead and give the word. And I didn't even know what the word was, but I just knew in my spirit, not yet. So, and then she gave the word. And it was awesome. It was incredible. But you have to be able to pastor this so it's not chaos. If I had a church that didn't have a system, that word would have been given. And it, would have been, it wouldn't have been at the right time, even though it was of the Lord. So you have to have a system in place to pastor the gifts of the Holy Spirit so you don't have craziness happening. Make sense? Services just by your conversation. Yeah, we do. How, how do you take consideration and move of the spirit in the first service with the timing of the second service? Yeah, sure. So uh, we intentionally have a half hour in between services because we have 15 minutes built in for ministry time. Uh, the last five minutes of my message, altar call, whatever, is natural ministry time. And then we have 15 minutes where our prayer team is up front praying for people so that there's the transition, people coming in and out. There's 15 minutes of turnaround in the lobby. And at that moment, most of those people are finished with ministry time. So that's how we do it. And if I had a different facility, I'd even allow, I wouldn't have more time, but I would have other rooms that you could go take people to um, to get ministered to. We just don't have that in our facility right now. So everything happens at our altar area. Other question, yeah. Well, I think the other thing of not seeming weird is that the pastor, because it's supernatural, is greater than natural. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be different. It's always going to seem weird. But that is explaining exactly what the Spirit is doing. Yeah. I think when you do that, I think that helps. Yeah, that's great. Because like I said, um, like what I do is if somebody has a word of knowledge, I explain to the congregation, hey, this is a word of knowledge. Here's what that means. God knows something that we don't know. So he tells us so that, so it can be known. And then, and when he reveals it, he wants to heal it. So the congregation, there's like, oh, okay, God's speaking. You could walk into my church and never have, not be saved and never have an experience with the Holy Spirit. And you'd have an understanding of what happened because we explain it. And I'm not in a hurry and it's not weird. If we have a word of wisdom, it's the same thing. We explain what a word of wisdom is. It's different than a word of knowledge. It's talking about the future. It's looking into a situation. And, and it's God's key to unlock something. It's different than a word of knowledge. But, but if somebody has a word of knowledge, boy, we, we release it in a way, but we explain it. We have prophecy. We explain it. Um, and we don't shy away from it. And I'm telling you, people are hungry. Hungry, hungry, hungry. We had a prophetic conference in, in, Oct- in August. I didn't think, I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do this. We had a weekend and I thought maybe 50 people would show up. And 
our auditorium only sits seats 150. So we decided to just do registration just to see what would happen. I thought, uh, people are going to be scared, and da, 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 whatever. Da, 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 da. And we had 150 people register. I mean, it was maxed. We, had, we were totally maxed out for the weekend. And, and I would say 75 people in that room had, didn't understand prophecy, had never had a prophetic word, didn't understand it. But because we, it's not scary in our church, people want to know about it. And, you know, every person that, I mean, we, we gave, we, we had a prophecy. We had a, the prophet that came in from Scotland. He prophesied over every person in, in the room. 150 people got words over three days. So, um, and that's probably my time, right? Uh, but, but, but it's not scary, and people are hungry for it. Presbyterians in our church are hungry for it. We have two Catholics in our church. We had a, guy, a Catholic guy come up to me and said, you know, um, uh, I used to pray to Mary. And I used to have these visions all the time of Mary and Joseph. And I would just pray to them. But he's like, now I just, I, I just pray to the Holy Spirit because you just talk about the Holy Spirit. And, and it's like, it's so amazing because I'm so filled at peace at night. Because he used to have to, he would, in, in fear, he would confess every night. And, and have this Mary Joseph thing going on. I didn't even understand it. I was just like, whatever. But, but, but now he, but do you understand? Do you understand? I, do you know how many classes you'd have to take a guy who's been a Catholic? He's 42. He's been a Catholic his whole life. Do you know how many classes I'd have to teach him to untrain certain things? And in, and in three weeks to come into our church, by the way, he came to our church. You know why? Because his wife was, le- he left his wife. Here, let me tell you this story. Oh, this is really good. I had, a pro- I had a word of knowledge. Listen, listen, ready. I'm preaching. In the middle of my message, I have a word of knowledge. And I said, even if, and I stopped my message. I said, even if your husband left you with three kids, I'm telling you, God has a solution for you. And, and I said something else. In that moment, a first-time visitor came to our church. A lady came up to me in tears, into my wife. Afterwards, she said, my husband, I have three kids. My husband left me today. This is this guy. He left me today. Gone. She's first time visitor. She keeps coming back to our church. She came to our, I mean, she stayed because we had, there was a word of knowledge. Her husband is the Catholic. He's now in our church. He came back to reconcile with his wife, but she said he had to come to church. So he stopped going to the Catholic church to come to our church. And now he has a relationship with the Holy Spirit and they're married. They're, they're back. They're living together again. And they've been in our church now for three, four, three, four months at this point. Now, is everything perfect in their home? No. We're going through marriage counseling with them. We're walking them through things. But this guy is having a Holy Ghost encounter. He's an usher now, a greeter, working in the parking lot. He came to our prophetic conference. I mean, it's amazing. That's the thing that God wants to do. And that was from a word of knowledge from a first-time visitor. So t- I'm telling you, it's not scared and it's not weird. 